So last week, uh, I shared with you the difference between a spiritual gift and the fruit of the Spirit. Some of you remember that. Um, now, I'm taking this kind of a little bit of a step further this morning in the sense that we are all called to live out the fruit of the Spirit, but we're also called by God to use the gifts that God has given us. Meaning, we are all called to do something for building up the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, that's one of those moments when you can say amen. Okay? So, can I repeat it? And can I have a little bit of congregational um, support in that? All right? So, we all have gifts, and we're all called to use those gifts for the building of God's kingdom, right? Okay, now, why did y'all say amen? Because that's what everybody says, right? Nobody really knows what amen means, do they? So be it, okay? So you just said it yourself, okay? You basically said, hey, I've got a gift, I'm going to use it for the Lord, so be it. Okay? That's a commitment in itself. Now, I'm going to take it a little bit deeper today, though. Okay? First of all, I want to, and I'm going to give you the outline in just a moment, but I want to stress a couple of things. Okay? We're all called to something. But some of us are called to specific ministries. So, for example, uh, just recently, Pastor Tanisha... Uh, came up with a ministry that she did here in High Point. She, and you all partnered with the ministry she did, where you brought in clothing and, um, and different items. We took them to downtown High Point, and we gave those items out, right? That was a ministry that she felt called to do, and, the, and she fulfilled that ministry, that calling, okay? Now, Pastor Tanya is getting ready to do one, as she mentioned, with the kids. That is a calling. It's very similar. It is a calling, and she's trying to fulfill that calling, and she's asking you all to partner with her in that calling. Are you following me? Okay. Now, it's not just Pastor Tanisha and Pastor um, Tanya who have these callings. We all have these callings. Okay. We're all called to do some type of ministry. However, some of us, and this is what I really want to focus on this morning, some of us are called to vocational ministry. Now, this is not something you hear pastors talk about a lot. And sometimes I wonder why. Because the Bible says that the workers are few, but what? The harvest is plentiful. Okay? And so, no doubt, we need people in the Christian faith who will commit or fulfill their calling to spend their life building up God's kingdom. Okay, And that can happen in many different forms, which I'll talk about in just a little bit. But with that being said, that's why I just want you to take a moment. In just a moment, I'm going to have a moment of silence. And I want you to pray a prayer okay, silently of, Lord, open up my heart and my mind so that I can hear your calling today, 
okay? Whether that be vocational calling or a ministry type calling where you do a ministry and you ask the church to partner with you, okay? So go ahead, just close your eyes and just ask the Lord to reveal to you today what it is that he is calling you to. Father, as we pray in this moment of silence, hear our prayers, reveal yourself to us, and reveal your calling to us. Father, now help us to respond to what you were saying to us. In Christ's name I pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Verses 4 through 10. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. While you're turning there, I'm going to give you an outline so you can kind of see the direction I'm going. I will repeat this as we go, but I want you to be able to see the direction of where I'm going. I'm going to be talking about the importance of moving from the perspective of building a career to fulfilling a calling. You see the difference? Okay, so I'm going to be talking a little bit about God doesn't call us to build a career. He's calling us to fulfill a calling. Then I'm going to move to the fact that we need to move from cowardice to courage. And basically what I mean in that is, and I've been there, keep that in mind, okay? When God calls you to do something, if you're like me and you're like the people in, in the Bible, your first response is to cower away and say, no, Lord, you can't use me. I'm not good enough. Okay? But Scripture teaches that when people say that, God says, no, you're exactly the one I want, and I will give you the courage to move forward in that calling. Okay? And then I'm going to move from being content to commissioned. Meaning most of us, especially in American culture, we have a very peaceful, content life, don't we? Compared to a lot of people in the world. And we like to be content. We like not to be bothered. But what if God's saying to you, hey, it's not about being content. I didn't create you to be content except for in Christ, right? But I didn't create you to be content. I created you to be sent out and to fulfill that calling. So that's the direction we're going to be going through this morning. And I'll repeat that as we go, but I know some of you would like to take notes and you want to be able to see the direction that I'm going. All right, so in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, that's Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as prophet to the nations. Now, this has nothing to do with my sermon, but it needs to be said. Okay? Especially with, what, with what's happened in New York, and especially with what's happening in Virginia and around our country. Okay? Let me just say this. When it comes to a fetus that is in the womb, it cannot be known unless it exists. And in this case, God knew Jeremiah before he was born. Okay? 
Life was not after he was born. God knew this child in the womb. And therefore, folks, listen, Christians need to seriously think about the implications of killing that which God already knows. Okay? Now, that was not that was just a pet peeve with what's going on in our country. All right? So, he says, Ah, sovereign Lord. Jeremiah says, Ah, sovereign Lord. I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say to me, I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Okay? So that is the call of Jeremiah. Very specific. Okay? Most of us have never experienced a call like that, where the Lord's kind of speaking directly to us. When I was first called into ministry, I was 14 years old. Okay? We were at a big youth convention in Cincinnati, Ohio. It was 1994. Okay? Now, most of you know, the youth convention this year is where? Cincinnati. Okay? So I was, I was pretty much where they're going, but a long time ago, all right? And this preacher's up there preaching, and he is just talking about, do you feel God calling you into ministry? And I started getting these, y'all know like when somebody says butterflies in your stomach? I started getting butterflies in my stomach. And then... The pastor at the, I mean, and it was a big coliseum of people. Then he said, if you feel called to ministry, I want you to come down to the front. I thought, no, no, no. I do not want to go to the front. Okay? So I sat there in my coliseum seat, just tore up with the fact, I mean, I could just feel God working. You are called to ministry. Go down to the front. And I said, no, Lord, I'm not going. Okay? People started flooding down, and I sat there. And they said, okay, we're done. If you've been called to ministry, we want to give you one of these booklets. And I thought, I need one of those booklets, but I'm not going down again. They were trying to, I felt like what they were doing to me was, hey, come down here and get a prize, you know? And so I questioned whether or not, am I really feeling a call, or am I just trying to go down there and get the prize? Okay? So I wrestled with that. At least that was my excuse. And then they continued their worship. And when, I was, when they were done with worship, everybody was leaving. And I was still sitting there, still feeling those butterflies. And I never will forget, the, the stadium's left. And I looked at my youth pastor and I said, I did not want to go to the front. I said, but I felt God tugging on me to go into the ministry. Now, that was what my calling was like. It wasn't a, Matt, go to Greenwood Hills Wesleyan Church. It was nothing like that. It was just this uncomfortable feeling on the subject of being called into ministry. And when that happened, um, doors, and when I say doors, I mean people started 
affirming that calling. Out of nowhere, people started saying, you know, I could see you being a pastor one day. What? How did, did you know I was dealing with that? You know, stuff like that would happen. And then went into school and continued, the doors continued to open, that God was affirming that this is the direction that I was supposed to go. And so went all the way through that, even to this very moment. You know, sometimes I could still feel that just uneasiness in my gut that you're doing what you're supposed to do, even though at times you're afraid to do it, okay? And so that was my calling. Other people I know, their calling was very um, cerebral. It, it was very in their head. Uh, they became convinced theologically that God is the answer, that Jesus is the Son of God. They could not deny that, and they had to do something with it. And so they felt God calling them into ministry. Others were felt, felt God calling them into ministry because they said they read a passage of Scripture and thought, the world needs to hear this. Who, Lord, who's going to go and, and share this? And they said, Lord, send me. I will go. So, I mean, I say all of that to say everybody's calling, especially when it comes to vocational ministry, is very different and very unique. So you can't say, well, my calling wasn't like Pastor Matt's, so I'm not called into ministry. That's not true. Or my calling was not like Jeremiah's, so I'm not called into ministry. With that being said, I want us to really think about, am I called to build a career, or am I called to fulfill a calling? Okay? So, for example, just imagine for a second, and I want you just to kind of ask these questions to yourself. What if there is more to life than making six figures a year? Because that's what a lot of us want, right? But what if there's more to life than that? What if there is more to life than having a nice house or a nice car? Okay? What if there's more to life than all these things that we're working so hard for. I recently met a gentleman who worked for the government, okay? Worked for the government, had a six-figure paying job, had a nice home, a nice car, was married, and had a child, okay? Life, to everybody else, they thought, man, He's got it. He has got what we all want. And so he's telling me this, and then he said, I was miserable. He said, I had everything. And he said, I was miserable. He said, in fact, my wife and I were discussing divorce. We both wanted a divorce. He said, the only reason why we didn't get a divorce is because I thought, I'm going to try one more time to make this work. And if it doesn't work, both of us... They, they were both involved in affairs, okay? They were both involved eventually in drugs because they could not find peace in the midst of everything they had. Uh, sadly, the gentleman told me later, he said, I was going to commit suicide. I was that far south that I wanted to commit suicide. He said, then one day, some pastor across the street from our house invites us to church, okay? 
And he said, I didn't want to go to church. He said, I've done this Jesus thing. It didn't work for me. He said, that's why I left the church. Didn't want it. And so he said, no, I'm not going to go. He said, but that pastor friend kept saying, come on, just try it. It's a small church. We're about 15 people. It was a new church plant of about 15 people. And he said, all right, I'll give it a shot. So he went. And then he thought, you know what? After hearing the pastor preach for a while, he said, I need to give Jesus a second chance. So he gave Jesus a second chance. Christ transformed his life, transformed his family's life. They are still married, folks. That was a long time ago. They're still married. They're off of drugs. Okay? They have a child who, again, does not have to suffer through the effects of divorce because their family worked it out. And then, check this, he left in the midst of all of this and life seeming like it's still great, even having Jesus in his life, he still felt like something was not right. So he goes and he talks to his pastor friend and says, hey, listen, I've got Jesus, but there's just something else just pulling at me and I I can't figure it out. And through this process, the pastor in him began to realize God was calling him into ministry. He quit his government job of six figures a year to pursue classes to go into ministry. He's an adult, okay? And he realized God was not calling him to build a career, but to fulfill a calling. He quit his job, and folks, do you know that today he is a pastor in our district? And a lot of you know this person. I'm not going to mention his name, because that's his story to tell. But I will tell you this, I admire this gentleman because he realized God had not called him to, to build a career. He had that. He called him to fulfill a calling. He's not the only one, though, church. There's many of us that are sitting in pews every Sunday who have Christ, but we realize there's something more. God's calling us to something more. So, the next thing I want to address is, when you feel God calling you to something more, you either step out in courage or you step back in cowardice. Okay? And so, you remember me sitting down here, not going to go down to the front? You want to know why I didn't want to go to the front? I was scared. Okay? First of all, when you go down to the front, People are all the time thinking, oh no, look what they've done, messed up. They have sinned, okay? I never will forget, there was one Sunday when I was a kid growing up, the pastor preached on adultery, okay? Out of nowhere, after the sermon, my, my pastor called, had an altar call, and this gentleman, I was sitting in the back of the church, this man got up and walked down, and I looked at my mom, I said, man, he has committed adultery. He is, I was like, I never looked at the guy the same again until I found out that the Lord had been working on him all that week. And he could not get the Lord to stop and to get off of his back because the Lord was drawing him so much that the guy could not handle it anymore. And he made a promise to God that I don't care what the preacher preaches on, I'm giving my life to the Lord on Sunday morning. He never committed adultery. But everybody in the church thought, 
Man, he done messed up. Bless his wife's heart is what we were thinking. And it had nothing to do with that. It was between him and God. And he was taking a step forward saying, you know what? Because don't you know that Satan tempted him that day of saying, don't go to the front. Don't commit your life to God. Think about what everybody's going to be thinking. You know, back out of it, back out of it. But no, he committed and he stepped through and he lived it out. I have, I have massive respect for that man because that was a genuine confession to the Lord of I'm surrendering my life to Christ. We, as human beings, if we have to choose between courage and cowardice, most of us are going to choose cowardice. Okay? And we see this all in the Bible. So you take Jeremiah's call, and what does Jeremiah immediately say to the Lord? He says, I don't know how to speak. And he also says, I'm only a child. And he was pretty young. Okay? But that was his excuse. And what did God say back to him? Don't say that again. That's what God said. And I think the reason why God said that is because it doesn't matter who the person is or how old they are or whatever. If God is working through them, they're just a vessel. And that's really what we're all called to be. And so God's looking at Jeremiah saying, I don't care if you think you can speak or not, because when I'm living in you and working through you, I will speak through you. It doesn't matter how well you speak. And so some of you may remember this was similar to Moses. When God called Moses, Moses came up with excuse after excuse after excuse. And then even in a little bit after saying, I don't speak well, Moses gets all the way to the point of cowardice where in Exodus 4.13 he says, Lord, send somebody else. That was his response. Lord, send somebody else. You have Joshua. If you read the book of Joshua, he made, he made excuses and was coward at first as well. And some people say, well, it never says that. And my response is always, well, why does God have to keep telling Joshua over and over and over? If you just read it, it says over and over, do not be afraid, Joshua, for I am with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So Joshua, this great warrior, obviously wrestled with some types of fears, okay? And so God still steps in and says, in the midst of his cowardice, I will give you courage. Be courageous. Then you have the Apostle Peter. Remember Apostle Peter? How many times did he deny Christ? Three times. He was afraid they were going to kill him with Jesus. You remember that? But what happens after he gets the Holy Spirit? Once the Holy Spirit fills him up, they can't stop him. I mean, it's just like the Lord's just working through him. He is, he is a beautiful picture of a man going from cowardice to courage. And that's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for all of you. That if God's calling you to ministry, and Satan's putting those cowardly thoughts in your mind, it's because he knows God is going to use you in a courageous way, folks. He is going to use you in a mighty way to build his kingdom. And so therefore, exactly what God told Joshua, I believe God tells us today to be strong and courageous. For tomorrow God will do great things. Which leads me to something 
Billy Graham said in 1954. 1954, Billy Graham was doing a crusade. And at this crusade, he spoke about nailing our, our colors to the mast. Now, for those of you who are wondering, what is that? When ships were out in the, in the water, they would have, um, just imagine like a pirate ship, okay? They would have their colors up on, on, the, on the pole going up the mast, okay? And whenever they saw an enemy ship, most of the time what would happen was the man sitting in the crow's nest would holler out, there's an enemy ship, and they would say, bring down the colors. Because they thought to themselves, if they don't see who we are, maybe they won't mess with us. And so Billy Graham's given this illustration, he says, nail your colors to the mast. In other words, put them on there so that when the enemy comes, the enemy sees who you are, and you will not take it down, for you are a child of God. It cannot be taken down. You will not stray in cowardice. You will stand in the courage of God Almighty. And so that night, Billy Graham is sharing this, and then he says this, which I think is so powerful. He says, I am asking you, those of you who for cowardly reasons have not accepted Christ, to do so this evening. And one particular man that told this story stepped out of his seat and went down and accepted Christ and is now a pastor and proclaiming the gospel of Christ to whoever will listen. I wonder if we are willing to nail our colors to the mast and say, hey, Christ, you're calling me to ministry? Yeah, I'm afraid, but, but I will step forward in courage. Which leads me to the last thing. Moving from being content to commissioned. We are all living a very comfortable life, church. Every, literally every one of us, compared to third world countries, um, compared to um, even countries that aren't third world, but that I've been into and have seen how people live. Uh, Laura and I, when we were just recently in Israel, if, if you go into the Palestine area, there were people whose homes were made out of pallets. You know what I mean by pallets? Wooden pallets. There were others who were using cardboard, okay? And folks, we, we are living a very comfortable life. And the reason why we're living a very comfortable life is because God has blessed us, okay? Nothing we have is by anything we've done on our own, folks. It's because God has blessed us, and we need to acknowledge that, okay? But I believe that God often blesses us so that we can bless others, okay? Because I don't believe God's necessarily calling us to a comfortable life. Now, I say that meaning... It's, there's nothing wrong with having a nice house or nice car or nice job or anything like that. It does become wrong if it becomes our idol. If that's what we are working for, folks, it is your idol, okay? We as Christians aren't working for those things. We're working to build the kingdom of God, okay? So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. What I am saying, though, is, is don't let that become your idol, okay? Because God's not called us to that life. He's calling us to be sent out, to be commissioned, 
Okay? So with that in mind, I want to share with you something that D.A. Carson once said to... Um, D.A. Carson, by the way, is a professor at a, a nice seminary, and uh, they were studying different pastors and their calling. And he was just asking them questions, and he said none of them had the same calling. He said, but one thing I did notice is that as they were, as they were talking about their calling, they all had a piece of Scripture that just jumped out at them, and he said it was like it choked them. They were so uncomfortable. When they read the Scripture... It was choking them and made them feel uncomfortable to the point that they thought, I've got to do something with this gospel. I cannot remain content in the fact that I am going to heaven while there is a world of lost people around me who do not know the gospel. And so they said, I will gladly leave this contentment to be commissioned by God to go out and share that gospel because true peace is only found in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask Pastor Thomas to come up. He's going to sing a song for us, but we're going to do an altar call, okay? And this altar call is twofold. First of all, okay, I'm not giving you any prizes for coming up here, okay? I want to get that across very clearly. You know what your prize is? The, the prize is when you surrender to Christ, Christ is your prize. Okay? But I want to do, do an altar call to give you a chance. Okay? Yes, you could do it in your chair. That's, that's fine too. But there is an act of when you stand up in a congregation and you say, Hey, I'm making this commitment. It's not just you who knows that commitment. Now it is your, your church family. And they can pray for you, and they can encourage you, and they can help you, okay? But this is twofold. For those of you that feel called to ministry, I want to encourage you to come forward. And then those of you who feel like, you know what? I've never surrendered my life to Christ. Because of cowardly reasons, because I've, I've wanted to, to have a life of contentment, whatever the, the case may be, okay? I want to give you the opportunity to come forward and pray and to ask Christ into your heart as well, okay? So with every eye closed, okay, every head bowed, every eye closed, Pastor Thomas is just going to sing a song, and then if you feel the Lord calling you to something, you come on up here and begin praying, and then I'll close us in prayer.